In April of 2016, a TV show named Winona Earp debuted in the U.S. and Canada. Shortly thereafter, a fandom was born. And not just any fandom, and not just any fans. These fans called themselves Earpers. Welcome to This Earper Life, a podcast about the stories behind the fandom. I'm Anne. And I'm Kat. We're both Earpers, and we both wanted to know more about the show and fandom we love. Each week, we take a closer look at the stories behind the show and the fandom that celebrates it. Kat and I interviewed Adeline for part of our Music of Winona Earp episode on March 23rd, 2021. What follows is a candid and heartfelt talk about the vulnerability of releasing Ghost and all the happy accidents that resulted when her bravery met one magical moment on a TV show. Thank you, Adeline. Hello. Can you hear us? Hello. Hi, can you well, hear me? You we sound can. Great. Let's get yes. all the can. Get, <laughs> we did it. Let's get all the can you hear me's out of the way <laughs> right away. I always love just getting that right out of the way. It's the best part of the show. I did, but I was like, I should probably set up a microphone. So I'm glad that you can hear everything. You sound, okay. you sound perfect. We are. I think we should cl- like we'll cut together like every time we've talked talk to a guest. Then it's going to be, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, right. that happens a lot. It's an entire episode. That's nonstop. <laughs> Okay, get all, get all those out of the way. So welcome to this Erper Life, Adeline. How are I'm you? I'm so happy to be here. This is amazing. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm Anne. Hi, Anne. Kat. I don't I'm Kat. How that works. Hello. Somewhere. Anne and Kat. I know. I always have a very hard time doing this. It's, it's like, kind of like a workout instructors when they have to say like left and right, they have to reverse it in their heads. And yeah. I'm always like astounded at the exactly. fact that they know how to do that. Yeah. I don't know how they do like, that. Yeah. It's like opposite world. Sure. <laughs> yes. Bizarro world. Bizarro world. I, I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm bad with direction. <laughs> but I feel like after a year of us using Zoom literally all the time that we would have this figured out, but no. But it, it changes. I Does think. it? I don't think what I see is what you see. Mm. <laughs> you think you're pointing at someone? See, you're not on my screen. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Oh, yeah. God. The layout's never always mind. different. Yeah. Oh my gosh, never mind then. It's Doesn't work. This it never works. Good content right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thanks for joining us. It's been great oh, talking it was my to you. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, that's it. We're done. It, that's great. It. It was so painless. Yeah. Uh, so, so what we're working on is we're working on a music of Winona Earp segment. I heard that. That's exciting. And we, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't include you in this episode. Well, that is very flattering. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, today we are joined by the singer-songwriter from Ottawa, Kanawa, Kanawa. Let's start that over again. Well, oh, that's that's close the beauty of podcasting. So we can just cut that out and try again. And also, I would say I'm from Toronto. Uh, okay. Only because I only lived in Ottawa from the time I was born until when I was six months old. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's like kind of like I was born there. We're not really from there. So there's a lot of pages that need to correct their stuff then. Uh, well, I, I think my Wikipedia says Ottawa because I was born there. Okay. Is that how people classify it now? I don't know. I've lived in like 30 cities, so I never really know where I'm from. I'm like, I'm like from nowhere. I'm from nowhere and everywhere. And everywhere. But mm-hmm. so you, so you would claim Toronto as like where you're from. Yeah. I kind of feel like as a musician, especially that's sort of like where I would be like from. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
I kind of do the same thing. Like where I was born, I feel like I spent more of my life outside of the city I was born in than yes. actually that city. It's not what formed or shaped me. Yeah. Like sometimes people say I'm from Abbotsford, which is where my, my parents lived, but I only lived in Abbotsford for a year. But the thing about Abbotsford is it's like the Bible belt of Canada. So I'm always like, no, don't say I'm from <laughs> Abbotsford. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be from there. Like, right? just don't. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I do too. I'm like, I yeah. don't really want to say I'm from this tiny little conservative town in the middle yeah. of nowhere. I kind of like I'm the good. big city better. Yes. Um, okay. But, so, but now you're living in LA area? I am, but I'm in Toronto right now because of the pandemic. Oh, so you've been stuck there for a while? For a year, yeah. Oh, okay. And is that is that a good thing or like would you prefer to be in L.A.? I think right now being in Canada is great. <laughs> like no offense to Americans, but I'm just like – None taken. I've been happy to be in Canada and gotten like some pretty good um, – like we have some okay funding. But the funny thing is now is that you're laughing at us because we, we're so behind in vaccinations. We haven't done like – any. Like we only have our 80-year-olds vaccinated. Mm, interesting. So we're really behind. So we're, we're safer, but we're really behind on vaccinations. Anyways. So now I want to come back to the States because I'm like, I want to be vaccinated. So. But can we'll you? Can you leave? No. 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 The borders are closed. Still, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kat and I both got our first shot. Oh, very, very fortunate. for a new date to get our second one. So. That's very exciting. Yes. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your musical beginnings and upbringing? Did you grow up in a musical household? Yeah. So I feel like I have a little bit of like a classic minister's daughter story. I'm like Katy Perry or Tori Amos. Like we're all the same. We grew up like in a kind of conservative household and then ended up doing like slinky music. It's just sort of like, <laughs> just, just, that just seems to be the progression all the time. So yeah, I grew up in a, um, in the church basically singing all the time. And then um, I didn't even really know that songwriting was a thing that people did because in, you know, religious music spheres, it's not so much about writing music. It's more about singing the music. So I was always like a singer. But never really a writer, and I didn't even really think about writing, which is so weird. Um, but I didn't gl- grow up listening to songwriters, like I didn't listen to Dylan or Leonard Cohen or what most people listen to. So I just think it just hadn't connected in my head. So I didn't really write until a little later in life. When would you say like you wrote your? When do you think you wrote your first song? Well, I wrote a song in high school, um, but other than that, like it wasn't really until I was in like my first year of college that yeah. I started writing. Yeah. And then what about like performing what you had written? Performing came later for me as well. And that was actually a really weird mind switch for me because I grew up singing in churches and on church stages. And so much about, um, sorry, that's when you're going to hear I'm Canadian when I say about. Uh, It's the one word that gives me away. Do not apologize for that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Something about about the religious sphere is that it's less, uh, there's a lot of sort of an emphasis on diminishing yourself on stage. Like you're not actually supposed to be seen. In fact, in a lot of churches, uh, like more liturgical churches, they actually have a um, history of kind of turning away from, like the people that are singing are not even seen. Like they're kind of like hidden on the side. And I think that's for obvious reasons because it's supposed to be about sort of centering on God. So it was really, really hard for me at first to be on stage and not only be expected to be seen, but also to perform and for my body to actually become something that I used as opposed to something that I was trying to cover up. Mm, that's yeah. interesting. 
And I would imagine too, uh, 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 many times, wouldn't you also know like the people in your congregation too? So maybe you'd feel a little more comfortable singing because you know the faces. Yeah, you know the faces. Uh, but but again, there was always there was just always kind of like a little bit of a pressure to um, disappear in some ways. So I think that I felt more comfortable in the sense that I knew the people, but I do feel more comfortable now with an audience because I feel like there is more freedom to sort of just express and not necessarily feel like I'm distracting from from what people are doing and like in like worship. So when you did first start uh, performing outside of the church, what was that like? Was there, was that intimidating? Was there some anxiety there or was it just completely freeing for you? Um, no, there was a lot of anxiety for me. There was a lot of anxiety. I had like a lot of body issues. So, um, I've always been curvy and I think that when I first started doing music, so much of the landscape of pop music as far as body shapes has changed radically in the last 10 years. 10 years ago when I put out my first record, it was like skinny, skinny, skinny. Um, there were really just like white skinny pop stars. And I had just spent my whole life covering up on stage in church. So this idea that I should move my body and be somewhat in touch with my sensual side um, because my music had that sort of energy. So I felt like it had to match that. And then on top of that sort of, so moving sort of sensually for the first time coupled with this anxiety around the shape of my body uh, was a, like a huge obstacle for me to get over. But I, I feel great now. Awesome. <laughs> it took some time, but now I'm like just throwing myself all over the place. Well, we're so glad you did. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you're not new to your songs being used on television. It turns out you have, what, over 80 titles featured in, in shows or film, um, from Grey's Anatomy to Lost Girl, Below Her Mouth. Do you remember the first song that you had featured in a show? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been very lucky. Uh, and I kind of, I would say I get asked in interviews in the music industry spheres to talk a lot about sync in general, which is syncing songs to TV because, um, because I have had success in that area, but I will say that it was a lot easier then than it is now. Uh, it's a very saturated market. It's really one of the main central ways that record labels and musicians make money anymore. So now it is just wild. And 10 years ago, when someone like Florence and the Machine, for example, would, would, wouldn't take a smaller amount of money, now they're taking money, those amounts. So there was a kind of like a heyday as an independent musician where we were sort of like in that middle zone where the majors weren't really willing to take that money. So we were like, we'll take it. Um, but that's shifted a lot. So I was, it is a much harder now to, to get a lot of syncs for TV. Um, but my very first one was a song called uh, We've Got Something. And I think it was on a show, this really small show called The Best Years. Um, and then I did some Degrassi, which is a Canadian <laughs> show. But then shortly after, um, my Grey's Anatomy placement was actually one of the early ones for me. Oh, so wow. it was really cool to be able to have like, and what was really neat about Grey's is I actually had back-to-back -back episodes. So I had a song in the mid-season finale and then in the mid-season opening episode. So I, and, and I wish that I could go back in time and give myself a shake and go, this is extremely rare. 
And you need to savor every second of it because it will likely never happen again. It's very rare for something like that to happen. So it was very lucky. And what did, what did that feel like the first time you, you heard your music matched with a scene on television? There's so many ways that you feel. There's So I'd say the two central things that I feel, and really, if I were to use Grey's as, as an example, for that one, what I felt was this overwhelming feeling of, wow, I'm connecting with so many people right now. You know, like really millions of people are in the moment with me right now. And um, the other thing that I felt, and even with, even on smaller shows, the real payoff for me besides the connection piece, which is really what drives me musically, is, is connecting with people more so even than playing. Um, is the reality that you're in that moment like forever intertwined with that scene. Like you, you become married to that scene and that people forever, when they hear a song, they'll like remember that visual moment. And I think that is one of the biggest payoffs for me. Mm-hmm. And then as far as your career goes after, and Grey's is a great example, especially because it was so early in, you know, your, your, you know, sync career, if you will. What did that do for your career? Could you, I mean, is that as, a, as an independent artist, I would imagine that that is a very, very good thing to happen, to have two songs on such a big show. I mean, so how, how did, what did that look like for you the day after those, those shows aired? Um, you know, it was simultaneously overwhelming and underwhelming. I think I expected potentially to have more of more people reaching out, more people kind of trying to find me um, just because there's so many people. But really the fandom that has been like that is the Wine on Earth fandom. Like, and it's interesting because the Grey's Anatomy fan base would be considerably larger. It's a huge, it's arguably the biggest show on the planet, um, or at least was uh, for a while. Uh, but there's something about the Winona Earp community that it has, they're, they're, they're very passionate about the music of the show. And that's not necessarily the case for every show. I did get people reaching out, of course, but there wasn't like that magic. What was the band that had, um, there was a band on Grey's Anatomy, uh, How to Save a Life, that band. They had that, that song broke their entire career. So I didn't really have that same experience. But it was obviously incredible to know that people were connecting with it. Um, so yeah, did you did you kind of have that that tiny kernel of expectation in your head that like that's the type of thing that might happen with the Grey's Anatomy? Is that oh yeah, was like I had parameter? so I had so many expectations. Like <laughs> one of the things that's so funny about my career now is I have none. I have no expectations. And and I think that's just isn't that just a lesson in, in general in life when it you seems say, healthier. Yeah, when you're young, and it's this goes beyond music. When you're young, you're like, well, this is what's going to happen. This is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And and the truth is, is that you get you know a lot of disappointing reactions when you think it's going to be more, or you um, you know you you get rejected a billion times, and you just realize, okay, this is um, like I'm I mean rejected from like a, in a business sense, well, and 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 personally, sure. All that. There's lots of rejection in life. Um, but there isn't, I, I always, I, what I came to realize is that I don't think that an artist's career is really about a big break anymore. 
I think it's about hundreds of little breaks. And if you can stick it out and dig your heels in and know that these little breaks will add up to something incredible, I think that's a career. So these days, the days of a big break, I think are, are less common now. So well said. And does, you know, having, does it ever kind of seep into your creative process knowing that potentially, you know, this song could appeal to a music supervisor or something like, does that, does that, has that affected your creative process or is that still very separate sort of, you've, you know, you've, you've compartmentalized it? I would say that there was a bit of a trend probably like six or seven, maybe eight years ago of like these kind of sync bands, like bands mm. that were sort of chasing a sound. That is pretty heavily rejected right now. Uh, I think that music supervisors and shows are looking for artists. They're looking for songs that have a story um, that just happen to marry with the story. I really think that chasing the sync tale is a really dangerous thing because there's so many different kinds of music they need in scenes. You know, if you're like a heavy metal band, there are definitely opportunities there for bar scenes and things like that. So I guess in the sense of a, maybe a singer songwriter st- style genre would be uh, maybe more syncable, but even that's shifted. I find that now it's, there's more pop that's being used in different shows. The cinematic ballad uh, is timeless for TV, but it's not nearly as powerful as it was. So I do think it's become about having a social media presence, having tour dates, having uh, an obvious connection with your fans, and that's what actually influences what they choose. So what was the process like for you to get your, your songs in front of music supervisors? What is, what's that like? So it changes um, depending on my situation. So I would say that early in my career, I made a real effort of getting to know supervisors. Um, specifically the Canadian ones, because there's really not a lot of them. Um, And back when I started again, I think it was easier for me to do a bit of a cold call and say, hey, can I take you for dinner or for a drink and sort of get to know you? And luckily, um, that is what happened. And funny enough, Andrea Higgins, who's the music supervisor for Winona Earp, who I know is on this episode, um, was the very first music supervisor I ever met. And we met and we talked, she's a drummer and we talked about her band at the time and we just got to know each other. And then at the end of a really lovely coffee, I said, here's my record. Um, And we've worked together ever since. So that was like a relationship. But in general, I think what ends up happening with artists is they get like a like publishing deal or or a sync deal with like a middleman company and then they shop your songs Hmm. to um, show. So I I found my career has been like a really strong sort of half balance between my own relationships and then whatever company I'm working with at the time. Well, I'm glad you dropped your name because we were going to ask if if you didn't. So (laughs) we we figured we would be missing out. There's no way we can talk about Ghost and not talk about Andrea. There's no way we can talk about music and Winona Earp without talking to Andrea or talking about Andrea. Um, So your first song in Winona Earp, was that the Christmas dance episode with um, Let's Stay Inside? It was, yes. Okay. Um, Did I read correctly that that song was specifically written for the show? So that song, so that version of the song was commissioned for the show, which is very rare. 99% of the time, 
music supervisors are taking finished songs and they're putting them into the scenes and then the producers are saying, well, we like this one. And then that's what happens. But with, in, on rare occasions, and actually a lot with Andrea, I've had great uh, opportunities to sort of write more to kind of picture or to, to have a sense of what's happening with the scene. And for this one, I think she reached out and she said, hey, do you have any Christmas songs? And I said, yeah, actually, I have a Christmas song that I wrote a while ago and released it. But because um, she was like, well, is it kind of slinky? It needs to be a bit like Santa baby-ish. And I was like, well, it's definitely not that. It's like, <laughs> it's like Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you styles. Um, and then we were just talking and I said, but I could try to do a slinkier version of it. Um, and I was in, in the studio at the time with one of my friends. And so we just sat down that night and I think we did it in like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. It was just like a fast, quick, quick pitch because you don't know if it's going to go through or not. Um, I wish that I could go back in time and tell myself like <laughs> this song is going to go out because I would probably have spent a bit more time on it, but it was just like a very fast thing. And then, um, it was really cool because then I found out that, you know, one of the characters was going to sing it and that hadn't ever happened before. And it was obviously, uh, you know, Kat or Nicole sang it in a couple episodes ago. Oh, right. Sang a little bit of it. So I was, I was like, wow, this is so neat. I, both, I got to hear both of them sing, just sing it. What do you think did really it better? Cool. Oh, God. <laughs> that, is, that is a trap question. It's not. I, I, really. I'm going to see the fifth. I mean, it's not really. <laughs> I, think, I think we all know. I think basically one person sang more of it. So I'm going to go with that. That's just because it's very, just because I'm, you know, diplomatic. I like to hear more of the song. I'm like 12 shades of red. Did you know anything about? the characters or the scene did Andrea kind of pitch you what you know what the picture was going to be did you know you know what how much of how much did you know about that scene um well I mean in general the shows only give you a little bit of information and especially with a show like wine on art because you are sneaky there's like (laughs) people that look for spoilers and things like that so the show is um a bit more careful I think with just making sure that we don't know too, too much. Uh, I did know that, um, and I didn't know the show before I did the Let's Stay Inside pitch. So I just remember hearing that it was going to be, the central couple was a a queer couple, which of course I was really excited about. And then they said that one of them was going to be doing like a, like a strip tease kind of dancey thing. And then I just thought, well, I have to get that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have to, that's like, Two girls dancing for each other? Sold. Um, so, yeah. So, that, that, I think that's all I knew, just that much. I, and I love that slinky is a term. I didn't realize that was a, a song reference. Like, oh, it's got to be slinky. I, I thought, like, slinky, like, you know, uh, very different. Yeah. But I love that. Yeah. It, that is a word, right? Slinky? Like a sassy. Like a slinky nightgown, like or something. Yeah, yeah sure. Exactly. Now it's I, a perfect description for yeah, that scene. Now I get it. And when did you see that? I mean, I'm sure obviously you've seen it, but like when you did watch the scene, was it, you know, was it the final version? Did you see an early version? But like, you know, what was that like? Did you? I never, I, I watch with you. Oh, no kidding. I never, I never get to see it before. Really? No. Never. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll see it, for example, if I'm writing a pitch to picture, uh, like I have with Andrea for, you know, I think we did it for working moms or something. I'll know that I'll, I'll be able to see it because I'm putting it in. Like I, like I can kind of see, or I'm like, okay, well, how does this work? 
I know that this is sort of the general idea so I can envision it, but I don't actually get to see the final until it's, until it airs. Got it. And so what was that like? And, and, and that's, and that's obviously because they're, they need to protect sure. the scene. And, um, I would obviously never send it, but there could be somebody out there who would send it to a friend and then that friend would send it sure. to their friend and then it's out. Yeah. Yeah. And so did, was that like an appointment TV moment for you of like, all right, well, episodes up, uh, you know, have to watch the scene. And, and uh, I mean, it's an, it's such a, a sweet, uh, vulnerable scene and it's obviously iconic, like every, almost yeah. every way how scene. Um, but yeah, so what was, <laughs> what was that experience like for you to see that? Well, I definitely watched it live because Andrea, um, Andrea was said to me, you know, this fandom is unlike any other and the internet will explode. <laughs> so you have to watch it. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, sure. And then it really did. Like, it's like, wow, okay, this is so fun. Uh, such an engaged community. Um, and that song became one of my like top played songs on Spotify. And then it was really funny because we were trying to pitch me to like record labels and things. <laughs> I was like, when they go to my Spotify, the first song they hear is a Christmas song. They're probably like, why? Why is this artist releasing Christmas songs right now? Um, because I think, you know, because Christmas is at a different time of, of year for you all on mm -hmm. in the show. All of our um, holidays are a little different. They're all, they're all switched around. Uh, no, but it was super, it was obviously incredible. And I loved the scene. I mean, I've loved, and obviously I'm sure we'll get into ghost stuff too, but I, I've really loved all the ways that the things have been shot with um with wine on herb in my music i've really loved it all so so that was your introduction to basically the herpdom was yes. was that that launch of that song that was and then i went to akon with andrea because andrea was djing and i sang she said well why don't you come and sing let's stay inside for at the after party for something and um and nobody think, liked that at all did they no they hated oh, it that's too bad yeah they threw, they threw old produce at me <laughs> and tomatoes sounds and like, lettuce yeah sounds like garbage <laughs> no um i wore a i remember i like put christmas lights on my like clothes or something and then i came out with like blinking christmas lights and um it was one of the highlights of my entire career <laughs> oh that's amazing well, there's just so much love and, and support and they're so, you know, everyone was so vocal. And it, I think we did a big conga line all through outside of the co conference. And it's, cra <laughs> it's crazy because now I've become, you know, close with so many ERPers and sometimes they'll send photos of meeting me back then. And we, we look at those photos and go, oh my God, if, if we only knew how, where we'd be today mm. as friends and things like that. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So, af so after that, did you then go back and start watching the show or like, did that make you an erper right then and there? Do you? Yeah, I, it, it did. It, it did. I will say I'm not a huge TV watcher, so I have not seen every episode, which might automatically disqualify me from people considering me as an erper. I think you get on a very path. Okay. Yeah. I hope yeah. so. Pretty much. I hope so. I have watched, like definitely wa watched and I watch now like I, with friends and things like that. I, I'm, I've been gotten more and more invested obviously as things have gone on, but I do need to kind of go back and really do like season two. Season two feels like a bit of a blur to me. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a good season. <laughs> <laughs> sure it is. I also I also love to 
kind of put in big stints of time between watching shows and then go back again because then it almost feels like starting it. Like you've never seen it before. Which is, yeah. I do that. It's so fun. I do that a lot with shows. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then your second song was like just not as big of a deal. Um, <laughs> no. No. So your second song, Ghost, which is what, episode 402. Yeah. Um, the video for that, you, you filmed that in Joshua Tree, right? We did. So many, again, so many cute things like recording Let's Stay Inside with a friend and going, oh, let's just, let's just do it. You know, it's seven o'clock. We have a bottle of whiskey. Let's record this. Let's do it. And then we sent it off and now that happened. It's kind of the same thing with the ghost video. It was me and my manager and he's like, do you want to make a music video while I'm in LA? And I thought, yeah, let's do it. So we just went to the desert and filmed a whole bunch of stuff and pieced it together. So it was very, um, organic and natural and I've, I've done obviously like bigger video shoots with you know tons of crew and things like that but I felt like this song was so such a personal journey for me that it actually was really nice for for the video to kind of have that really organic um, unplanned sort of thing where we just took lots of footage and and I just sort of even like my movements everything was just so um, I didn't practice any of it we just just kind of go just felt really free form, which is nice. It's a beautiful video. It oh, is. thank you. I will tell, I'm sure Ben is listening. Ben, good job. Nice work, Ben. <laughs> yeah, Joshua Tree is one of my favorite places too. Oh, me too. I love Joshua Tree. So I think I'm going there in like two weeks. Oh, um, nice. Amazing. So many, so many of my friends in LA are moving to either Joshua Tree or Palm Springs because of, um, because of everything that's been going on. So I, I would love if the music industry moved to Joshua Tree. That would be the best. <laughs> start, start the movement. Be the one. Yes. Start the movement. Yes. Uh, so, so getting Ghost um, in episode 402, what was that process like? That process was a little different because the song had already, be writ- already been written. But what was really special about it was Andrea knew that it was my coming out song. Uh, and so like with anything, you can't, music supervisors when they're presenting songs to producers like they definitely can go well you know i like this song or like this is this is a great you know this i am this is meaningful because but it really is it just has to feel right to the producers um and i'm not entirely sure how much the meaning behind the song was part of the decision but i think that i would imagine there was probably some some weight to that of knowing hey just you know this is an artist who just sort of is just coming out and um this song is about her first time being in love with a woman and and this is a obviously really intimate queer scene so i i would think that that probably resonated in some way and when when they were telling you about what the scene would be like how how did that come about um i think all the information i got from that was that it was a love scene so, and, and again, I didn't write that. W- that was like, um, I had already written the song. Mm-hmm. So it was more, they have to tell you uh, when you license the song, they have to tell you at least what's going on in, on in it in some way, because if you were uncomfortable with the content of the scene, then as an artist, you would want to know, like, for example, with people, there's some artists who won't, don't feel comfortable having their music played where people are smoking mm-hmm. or 
they had a relative die of lung cancer. There's so many personal or like gun use. There's so many things. So you do get some kind of synopsis. So I just knew it was a love scene. Yeah. That's interesting. I would have never even thought of that. So this, um, I found a quote of yours and uh, talking about ghosts. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, (laughs) The quote is, uh, ghost is about not being able to move on or enjoy new connections because the ghost of someone still lingers. And, you know, and you were, you know, you, you talking about what, you know, the story behind the song and and if that kind of, uh, that resonated with the producers. I mean, this, I can't imagine this scene without this song now. And I think everybody who's listening to this podcast would agree. And that, you know, there's so much going on in this scene, right? Because there's, you know, you can imagine that Nicole has only, only been thinking about getting Waverly back. And so everything in her day is, you know, she's lingering, she's, she's, she's waiting and, you know, to, to, and I rewatched the scene before our interview because I wanted to, I wanted to, it to be fresh in my mind. And, and, and I, yeah, that's the only reason. That's it. I mean, listen, I don't watch it every day. Why would you say that? (laughs) But honestly, like it's, you know, (laughs) the song is perfect. There's so much going on. I feel like every layer of that scene, your song has a layer to match it. God, that's such a compliment. Thank you. Well, thank you for writing the song. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think the song is absolutely, it's, it's, it's resonated and connected with fans of the show, not just because of this iconic scene, but there's obviously something else going on here. And, and you know, you've just, you, you know, why you wrote the song is probably has a lot to do with it. And I mean, just the, the lyric, one of the, the lyrics that really sticks out, her hands are your hands wrapped around my throat. And when I first was, when I first saw the scene, I was in shock. So I don't know that I really heard the, the song as much, honestly. So then going back and rewatching. And I didn't even hear the song. <laughs> Fair. I mean, right. <laughs> I was like, is my song in there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's watch it again. But that, yeah. but that line in particular stuck out to me. Cause I was like, Oh, what's going on? Like that's, I'm not sure what that's about. And to go back and read all the lyrics. I mean, it's just, again, like there's not really a question here. That's just like your song is, is just, it, it's, it's it, the intensity of that scene. Your song matches that intensity. Um, and, you know, to, and you were kind of saying it before, like to know that your, your song is now married to an iconic moment or scene. Absolutely. What is that like? And, uh, you know, oh God. when you first, you know, talk about the first time that you saw this scene, like I, I'm really interested to know, like every all the emotions that go with that. Yeah. Um, it was, there's, there's, it's my favorite scene that I've ever been a part of. And for so many different reasons, obviously because it is so beautifully shot and so incredibly delicately shows the real intimacy between two women in love. Um, it's not flashy and it's just so, so real and the passion is so real. Um, so I was incredibly honored to be married to that moment and and continue to be incredibly honored. And obviously for me, um, that song specifically, I really struggled to put out. Um, I felt like by putting out that song, I was going to be coming out. And so for when I first wrote it, I, I was very, very like much like, okay, well, that's a nice one for me. 
but it was starting to get to a point where like that was happening a lot with my songs where it was, that was a nice one for me. And that's a nice one for me. And at some point you go, well, if I'm not going to start being honest, then I kind of have to hang my hat and, and sit and call it a day. Uh, Cause like, like you can't keep reframing uh, why you wrote something. Um, you know, I thought, well, I guess I could say I'm an ally, but and I just, no. So powerful for me because it felt like my most authentic moment in life my most authentic musical moment being married with this incredibly passionate, important moment for these characters. So yeah, it was like sploosh. I mean, I don't know. Like there's just like, there's nothing better than that. And, uh, and, and the funny story of me watching it, actually, I don't think I've ever told the story, but I was at a friend's. So I told a couple friends that we were going to be, um, that this was happening. And of course it was COVID. So we were trying to figure out how we could watch it. I don't have, I don't have cable. I don't have, I didn't have a way to watch it, but I did have a friend that was like, Oh, I get that channel. So you could come over and, and you can watch it. So when we got over there, I think it was maybe half an hour before the show started. And when we went to watch it, it wasn't the, the her TV wasn't working. And I started to panic because Andrea had said to me, this is going to be huge. Like this is going to be a big moment. You have to. So I, I was, and I'd already had the let's stay inside moment. And like, I said, how can Andrea, it be bigger than that? Well, and I, right? I think I, I think I even asked Andrea, like, let's stay inside. She was like, bigger. And I thought, oh my God, I have to watch this. <laughs> so we ended up, someone was able to find it, like sign in through their provider of their TV on their phone. And I watched it alone in a corner on like an iPhone, <laughs> oh, no. like bent over something. Like it was just so insane. I wanted obviously to hear on the speakers, but I just ended up watching it on an iPhone. But I remember watching it and going, oh my. <laughs> well, well. Yep. No one's going to hate that. So, And then of course, the, the, um, it was immediate. Like the, the connection piece was immediate. And I started getting so many, so many messages from people just about the song and, and about my story and everything. It just started to really connect. It was incredible. Yeah. And so, and I, I was looking through your timeline, not in a creepy way. Um, no. <laughs> and around the time that that episode aired uh, and not long after, uh, Urper started to post their own versions of the song. They started to cover that song. Yeah. Uh, had you experienced anything like that before? Uh, I, I have experienced people covering songs, but not like not to this extent. No, like I think even today I posted somebody covering covering Ghost. Um, no, people are playing it in like sets in their bands and sending me videos, and and people are getting you know engaged to it, and um, you know no, I don't think anyone's gotten married to it, but that, that, that will probably happen, and that's always one of those things where you think, how cool um, to be a part of people's lives that way, and the music industry is so hard uh, and it's getting harder, but that is continually my why. You know, every person that messages me and says, you know, this song, um, I had a, quite a few people from the show saying the song kind of like helped their anxiety ease or like they would put it on when they were having like a panic attack or things like that. And just to know that my music can be a part of someone's life in a way that soothes them and, and makes them happy is, I mean, there's no, better thing in life than that so yeah yeah I mean earlier you had mentioned you know how you're able to remember a visual moment with with songs like that and I think 
this song specifically, it's a perfect examination of Andrea's skills in what mm. she does combined with, you know, picking out amazing singer songwriters and then matching them to these scenes. You hear it, you close your eyes and you're immediately like you can picture the scene, you know, mm. like you're just watching it in front of you. And even the, um, the Christmas one too, it's like you, you hear it and immediately you're, you're right in that scene. The scene. Yeah. And it's crazy because that, that's how it feels for me now. And you know, it's before, I hear the Christmas song and I think of that scene. Um, so that will for always forever be in my mind too, which is. I just, I want to create like a, like a trivia game, but sound trivia. Yeah. <laughs> like You just hear a clip of the music and then you have to like blurt out what scene it's from. I think people would be able to do that. And oh yeah, I, it's funny. I was just actually, and I know you also have Desiree on your show and um, Desiree and I met today for the first time. And we had a really nice long talk and, and we talked a bit about the show and she was saying it was her first ever TV moment. And I was like, wow, what a great first TV moment for you um, to be, to get to enjoy the Erpers, you know, because um, it is, there's nothing like it. And uh, yeah, I feel the same even when I hear her song. I hear, I hear it. Yeah, you're right. Andrea is really talented and she's done such an incredible job to highlight so many Canadian artists too. Now, when... So you, you watched it on a phone. I did. And then <laughs> when Andrea said, are you ready? It's going to be huge. Yeah. What, what did huge look like? This was one of the times where it exceeded my expectations. And when that happens in life, you just have to jump around. Because, again, that does not happen very much in life. Um, it did exceed my expectations for so many different reasons. Um, I think just with my own story, even with like my religious um, upbringing and sort of trying to reconcile my sexuality with that piece. And I had just, I just came out um, to my family. March 1st was my year anniversary of coming out. So it's, it's very fresh to me. Um, so yeah, there's just, again, so many layers of why it was, why it blew my mind just to sort of realize that my coming out story was now also intertwined with this. And so that exceeded my expectation, the way that people supported my story and connected with my story and, and felt comfortable to share parts of theirs. There was just like such an incredible exchange, like the most exchange I've ever had over anything I've ever written or, or put out. Yeah. And how very brave of you. And I thank you for that bravery because it's given everyone such a gift. I, I thank you. I, I feel like I it's so sweet. People all the time are like saying this, call saying a, a bravery piece, which I totally uh, take in. But I also say like every person that comes out is brave. Like everyone does that. I just happen to write a song about it, right? Like it's one of those things where the song forced my hand to do it. But I really do think that anyone who has that moment, it is the same thing. We, it's just, again, I just was able to have a moment to reflect that in a, in a big way. Um, but I think that I hear stories of people coming out all the time right now. And um, I'm constantly blown away by, by people's bravery, people who are in, who had a lot more to lose than me, um, living in countries that are terrifying and um, in religious homes that are not nearly as loving as mine. So... Yeah, absolutely. And 
so how does that look like do you instantly check spotify what like do your numbers just go off the charts what what does that look like as a measurable thing for you yeah social media is a huge measure so obviously like the retweets and the replies and the instagram likes and the comments and all of those things are a huge measure of what's going on with people and how they're um i i would say more than ever to, to get a comment from someone is is not easy now we're inundated with social media and people looking for our attention for someone to take a second to actually type something to me is insane that's so powerful because I know that that means that they really are connected to whatever it is that's going on, whether it be ghost or let's stay inside or, or my, you know, the nonprofit I'm starting or whatever, whatever it is, it's like someone's actually taking a moment to, to do that. And then of course, Spotify is a great measure because yeah, I think like, I'm kind of hoping I would love, uh, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit about the concert that I'm doing, but I would love, I'd love to hit a million spins of ghosts by that date. And I think we're, I think it could happen because I think we're at like almost 900,000 now, but you know, before, before wine on earth, I think I was at like 50,000. So, and how long had the song been out before it was on the episode? Just a couple months. Okay. Uh, yeah, just a couple months. I think that, you know what? I don't even fully know the timeline. We released the music video on April 24th, which is when we released the uh, record. But I had released Ghost, I think, a month before. So maybe, when did the episode air? August? So maybe it was more like four or five months. Yeah, end of July, early August, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah, so maybe it was more like four or five months. But it was out before that. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I put it out and I thought, you know, I was like, okay, this is my song. That's going to be like my, my personal moment of coming out. (laughs) And then it's just, and then it happened and I did get, you know, a couple messages from some fans and then it just sat for four or five months and I thought, okay, well, that's it. No one, no one's gonna know or, or see my, you know, cause I, as a family, we decided that I would put my sort of coming out message in the body of the description of the YouTube video for Ghost. So when I released that on April 24th, uh, it sat there for a while. I think I got like maybe three or four people saying, oh, wow, that's interesting that that's, what, that's your story. And then, and then I remember thinking like partly relieved because I was worried about my, fam- <laughs> worry about my family yeah. it being hard on them and then also partly kind of bummed. I was like, oh, well, I guess, I guess it doesn't really matter. I, I did it. I'm out. All is well. And then, you know, four months later... <laughs> Like, so, hey, mom and dad. So um, I think that it's out yeah. officially. So am I. So <laughs> there we go. And yeah. was there any part of you that felt a little bit of panic about that? Uh, you know, the fact that you weren't, you weren't going to kind of be under the radar anymore, uh, that the world was about to have, a, you know, n- uh, share, you're about to share this very intimate sort of, personal song and your story mm. with the world was there any 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 panic somewhere inside you only for my family mm. not for me for me i you know i this was this is something i was kind of hiding for for years and years and years so i was very ready um to be my most authentic self and and of course like anyone who comes out there's actually ways that you 
gain confidence and and that you feel more yourself than you didn't more than you even anticipated um walking in that sort of you feel yourself grow um tangibly so i was really excited to be more authentic with my fans and with myself but i definitely felt panic for my family i just didn't want them to have to deal with too many people messaging them or asking and how have they been? Have they had too many people messaging, asking? Um, you know, I don't even fully know for sure if all of my fam- extended family know. Um, I, we've had conversations because we had to with some people, but I think it's like slowly sort of going out there. But the reality is, is like n- not a lot of like my Christian family would be watching Winona Earp. So that's fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> That tracks. So, so, yeah, that tracks. So I don't really know if they know. And then, of course, on my social media, not a lot of my extended family would be on Instagram or anything. So I, it's one of those things where it will – the more that this grows and the more that I have things going on on the side with nonprofit and everything, it, it is a matter of time. It is only a matter of time. But I feel like they uh, have had a massive turn as far as – I mean, they were incredible. Um, when it happened and are trying very hard to understand. But I think that they've seen the ways in which this has been helping people mm-hmm. and the way that in which these people, you know, spe- specifically people with religious trauma have been able to sort of start to do some healing and they're all for that. So I think that they actually are starting to really see how this was supposed to happen. Mm. Yeah. This really does, the more I'm thinking about this now, this really blows me away because you know, why not? Or that show is going to outlive all of us. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm a fan of a show called Xena. I was in my early twenties, yeah. and that show helped me to you know kind of um, uh, be okay with who I was. And that was you know a, a a young queer kid living in a very conservative town with not a lot of community. Mm-hmm. And that show kind of gave me my community, and that's a very common. Uh, parallel to Winona Earp. And so to know that, you know, you, you, this song, your song that you consider your coming out song is going to forever be a part of one of the most sort of iconic uh, love scenes in TV history, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I mean, I, that just blows me away. Like that, and, and to know that that's what you were kind of, uh, to know that that was about to happen and being, you know, so young, not young, but like early in your kind of coming out story, mm-hmm. that is very brave. And Anne said it, that's very brave. And oh, thanks. Um, I'm just, you know, it, it's almost like it was meant to be. Well, it was meant to be. And I mean, I do, I, I'm, I, I'm sure you don't mind if I continue telling you why it's so crazy. I'm, I'm going to tell you more about it why it's so crazy. Yes, yes. The, up to there, that's incredible. <laughs> but then what happened was because my story in my YouTube video was about my religious reconciling, I started getting thousands of messages from people all over the world saying, that's me. Like, I'm, I grew up in a religious home. I'm struggling with being queer and gay. Like, I struggle with feeling like I'm going to hell or I'm, you know, uh, or I'm a Christian and I'm gay and I feel like no one understands me. I, f- I feel like I'm being sort of persecuted from the other side for, for, for being Christian and queer. Um, like I'm getting persecuted on all sides. And so I started getting all these stories and um, I 
I was like, well, I have to, something has to happen. I, I, all these people are out there and they're all herpers and they need to meet each other. So I started doing these uh, calls. I was like, I'll just do Zoom calls. So I think I put a Google form on Twitter or something. I said, hey, if I've gotten a lot of messages from you saying that a lot of you have been through this religious trauma and if you want to talk, just sign up. And just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people signing up. So I'm like, all right, let's get to work. Let's start doing these Zoom calls. So I started doing Zoom calls in October, end of September around then. And uh, we had like four calls a week um, <laughs> with 10 people. And I think I've, the more and more calls we had, we started to realize like we have a community here. Like this is a, this is a community within a community. And um, I already was playing around with this podcast idea that I wanted to do. So I thought, well, I'll just, let's, let's just call it Bad Believer. That's what I wanted to do. Is this tongue-in-cheek name of a group of people who have been told they're bad, they're bad believers, they're bad Christians, or whatever else. So it was sort of like reclaiming, um, and then that's the whole point of the group is reclaiming your spiritual life, whatever that might be, whether you still identify as Christian or whether you are an atheist or whatever. We support all like face and non-face, um, but just anyone who has that story to meet each other. And it's just started to grow exponentially. I think I've met with like 550 people and. We continue to grow uh, every day and we're very close out from being like a nonprofit organization. We just are filing right now. And so we'll be able to bring in um, money. And, and right now we're in the process. We've actually partnered with Start the Wave to provide therapy referrals and to get people into therapy. And so that's like a big push for us is like resources, therapy, and community, just getting people talking. So we have... 30 or 40 groups that talk every week, wow. just people getting, just sharing their stories and, and finding and meeting people. And I'm not going to, I'm not even going to skirt around it. Dating. It is like the best. Okay. I think we have, we have, <laughs> lots, of, we have, we have lots of couples coming out of this. That's amazing. Which, which kind of makes sense when one of the hardest things, if you have a religious background is meeting people who understand mm -hmm. what, what it's like to go through that. Mm -hmm. So it's not overly shocking to me that, people are finding a connection in, in not just a platonic way. So that's been really fun. And it is cool that, you know, people are able to find these connections in a time where we're not allowed to be in the same room together. So to be able to, to, to make these connections and build this community in the last year, that's really incredible. Yeah, it's been the most connective year of my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I've never, I've met so many people and have become so close with, with so many of these, of these herpers. And so that's what, that's what makes the story even crazier. Cause it's like, and then a nonprofit organization came out of it out of one sink, one moment in a TV show, not only transformed my life from my own sexuality, but also like birthed a community. So yeah. I mean, unreal. I'm actually not surprised to hear that story because it's a very herper thing to do at, you know, to sort of, you're right. Actually, you know, it does. It just <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. In. <laughs> yeah, but again, I mean, had you had you written a song and thought, you know, I'm going to write this song about, you know, my coming out, but I'm just going to hold it on. I'm going to hang on to it for myself. Yeah. Or you put it on YouTube and, you know, it, it sat there and didn't get as many views. But then you you put it out there even more. You know, you let Andrea stick her glommy hands onto it and do what she does best. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it has a life of its own. And 
Oh yeah. And it goes into this insane world. And then the last sort of piece I'll say, which has just been recent, uh, because we do have some, um, queer Christians who people who still identify as Christian, but sort of feel like they weren't allowed or that God has kind of been stolen from them. Um, I wanted those people to feel supported. And I was talking to my dad about it and my dad has a PhD in theology. And he was like, well, I'll teach them. I'll, I'll do a Bible study with them. I'm like, what? So now he has a Bible study (laughs) and he's teaching 30 or 40 people. Um, I think they're going through the book of Mark right now. So like, that's insane to me. Like if, if someone had told me a year ago, cause it's just been a year since I came out, Hey, in this year, there's going to be a global pandemic. You're going to come out and then you're going to have the song on the show. That's going to birth a community. And your dad is going to be teaching lesbians, the Bible. I would have like, my head would have fallen off my body. Like okay. imagine even thinking that the day before you tell your family, you like muster up the courage and you're like, it's, this is it. Like yeah. today I'm telling I'm going to tell them. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, and then to hear all of this, like yeah. crazy positive. It's, it's blown. It's blown again. Well, there's another moment where my expectations have been blown out of the water. So it does happen. Uh, but I think that one of the things that it really taught me about coming out is that for a long time, I thought, well, I don't want to hurt my family. I don't want to ruin their lives. I don't want to destroy them. I mean, that was really the narrative for a long time. And what I've realized is that by not showing them who I really am, I actually wasn't allowing them to have their own agency and their own reaction and their own growth in this story. If I hadn't done it, my dad wouldn't be engaging with a group of queer people with the Bible. I mean, that would just never happen. And here he is finding this like newfound excitement about an an understanding of a different kind of person than he is and finding a lot of fulfillment from that. So I feel like if I had sort of kept that narrative, they wouldn't, I wouldn't see that kind of growth in them, um, which is super important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now your concert, let's talk about your concert. Yeah. Your, if you know, you know, concert, April 24th, <laughs> 2021. No one's uh, really commented on that hashtag. I thought that's, <laughs> I think that was funny. It's great. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was, I was like, hold on, did I get that wrong? That is, <laughs> is, is, that is the hashtag people think of when they think of ghosts, no? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so with special guests, Jill Andrews and Desiree Dawson, uh, yeah. who will both be on this uh, podcast as well, with proceeds, por- uh, portions of the proceeds going to Bad Believer. Um, That's right. Which you, you define as an ERPA-based LGBTQIA plus organization supporting people with religious and spiritual trauma. That's right. Tell us all about the concert. I'm so, I already got a ticket. I'm going. I'm Woo! there. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so a couple things to say about the concert. Um, I just want to say right away to people that like, I know it costs money and, and it's partly because we're trying to raise money for a bad believer and things like that. But we actually have gotten such an outpour of people expressing a desire to sort of gift tickets to people. Mm. And then we had a whole bunch of people saying, you know, I'd love to come, but I'm, times are tight. And so we actually came up with like an exchange And so people are gifting tickets and people are signing up for tickets and it's almost been like one for one. It's crazy to me to see how this is happening. And I just want to say to people, like, if you can't afford to go, like we will find, we'll get you there. It's not, this isn't like the stickler for money thing. Um, So just sign up. If you go to my, any of my social medias, you'll any media accounts, you'll see a link tree there. And there's a link in there to sign up for gifted tickets. So put your name down there and we'll get you a ticket. Um, But if you can't afford it, it's great 
for you know the musicians playing and also for the the nonprofit. Um, and then we're doing so yeah, so it's the three of us. So Jill and Desiree are going to play a couple songs, and I'm actually playing a whole set. Um, but I rented a studio, and I'm going to be on the grand piano, and I have a instrumentalist playing with me, which is going to be super fun, and I haven't done that in so long. Uh, and then afterwards, we're having an after party, um, <laughs> which I'm DJing. <laughs> I've never DJed before. <laughs> I'm like, just, just, I just actually had my first DJ lesson today, um, so I'm I taught teaching myself. I don't have a teacher. That would be really cool. Just ask Andrea to teach you. I should. Absolutely. I should definitely ask Andrea. <laughs> so I've been playing, playing around with that today. And then I'm gonna, we're going to have some, um, some special performances and some really special guests showing up for that. Um, some more, mus- more, more musicians from the show and things like that. So we just want to make it like a super fun celebration of, um, all, of some artists that we love playing songs. Um, I'm going to play songs not just from Winona Earp, but from, you know, uh, Blow Her Mouth and Lost Girl and uh, some other great queer uh, TV shows. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it should be really fun. It's like there's this cool uh, sisterhood or, you know, mm. friendhood or musicianhood of Winona Earp artists. And, you know, it's, it's like a cool, it's like a, it's a very cool group to be associated with. I would, I, you know, oh, yeah, love to hang out cool, someday. <laughs> absolutely. Well, the funny, I don't, the crazy thing is I don't know a lot of people. Um, so that's why today I was, I was like, Desiree, can, let's jump on the phone. Let's get to know each other. Um, and I'll do the same with Jill. And uh, yeah, there's that is an incredible thing to just go, you know, we have this shared experience of getting to, to feel this insane love um, from this community. And um, there are, to the artists that have songs coming up, like, get ready. It's like, get ready for the outpour of love. It's the, it's the best feeling on the planet. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, Kat and I have never met in person. It's true. Are you being serious? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> We just know each other from like listening to each other's podcasts and then we slid into each other's DMs and we're like, Ooh, oh, tell me more about that. Wait, wait, no, let's go back to that. Let's go back. <laughs> Not in a slinky way. <laughs> Not a, right? Not in a slinky way. In a slidey way. Yes. Oh, in a mutual God. admiration society kind of way. Yeah, and we're like, oh, let's do this other podcast together. So I love that. Well, I, and it is a newer podcast, so that would make sense why you haven't met because it would have been started in the pandemic, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So one day, well, we we talk a lot in our group about doing like a retreat in the next couple of years, and we're just gonna when we meet, we'll just all just like have the craziest hugs, um, <laughs> just because you just know someone so well, and then you finally get to have that moment of physical connection, totally. um, which will be super nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I have any Twitter questions. Oh yeah, let's do that. Uh, any fun off-topic ones? Do you have any vinyl release plans? You know, I don't right now, and I'll tell you why. Because vinyl is so expensive, and it really doesn't make sense to make vinyl unless I'm going to tour. So I will have vinyl um, when the world opens back up again. Uh, I actually am going back to the studio this year to make a new record. Um, so I'll be recording that soon actually so when i go to tour next year i will have like a new album out uh and i'll have vinyl for that and i'd love to have vinyl for dear illusion too yeah so at some point i will when it yeah when it makes sense when it makes sense Mm -hmm. um let's see who are your music icons and influences hmm i kind of have like a real like 90s sort of 
like draw. So, but I mean like to like the moody artists of the nineties, like Bjork and like Portishead. And I mean, Radiohead is um, the band that changed my life. And I can't say enough about how much I love Radiohead. I've actually seen them many, many times in concert. And um, I have like this rule that when I go to go to a Radiohead concert with someone that I actually have to preface it by saying like, you please do not speak to me like this entire concert. Like if you talk to me, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like I cannot. (laughs) There are a couple bands I feel that way about like Sigurose, like those like super emo, like I want to close my eyes and I want to fall. I just want to cry. I want to cry and I want to like raise my arms up and throw my body around and have this like massive spiritual experience. So that's what that band makes me do. And uh, I continue, actually I have a little fire pit in my backyard and I have fires back there alone. And um, sometimes I'll drink like a whole bottle of wine and then just like put on in rainbows and just like roll around in the dirt. I just love that band so much. The best story I've ever heard. I know, right? Like, I how lo- could I love I, you more? If I didn't love you before, boy, oh boy, that's amazing. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you some like video proof of it sometime. Oh, do not joke. Wait, wait. Do not I, joke. We demand it. I actually have a, I have a little cover. I did a cover on, on my Instagram. If people go to like my in- Instagram TV, I did a cover of like House of Cards for this um this rock camp that I do with these teenagers every year. Cool. And that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. I mean, obviously it didn't happen last year, but I've been doing it for, I guess, seven years. It's a, yeah, a camp that happens with like 13 to 17 year olds and there's like hundreds of them and they, awesome. they form bands and play and it's super fun. But I did a cover of, of that. I always play as much Radiohead as I possibly <laughs> can. Awesome. Yeah. When you break out of Canada, mm-hmm. Pat and I are taking you out for drinks. Yep. I would love that. We're, we're both in the LA area. Yeah, are you really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Where do you live? I'm in North. Do you want my address? I'm in I'm in beautiful <laughs> North Hollywood, California. You're in North Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Cats. We're like famous. I usually live in like Los Feliz or like Echo Parky kind so of. So you're areas. like in the cool part of town. <laughs> I'm in the not as cool part. Of town. I like North Hollywood a lot, and I feel like North Hollywood is getting cooler by the day. It is. I, I joke, but it's it's a cool place to live. I love it here. Yeah, I, and then, I live in the suburbs. I'm in Thousand Oaks. That's where I grew up. Oh. Actually, that's I literally grew up where Anne lives now. That's we are literally normal, like normally neighbors. Because I was I was there for four years, and then now I've been back here. And I guess now it's um, we'll see what happens when the world opens up again. It's so hard to know where 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 should I go or, but I I do miss. I mean I miss LA. We but we should definitely have drinks. But we should go for like a, a Joshua Tree. This is what we'll do. We'll do. We're going to go to we Joshua. We should burn Tree. stuff. Well, yes. we can't burn stuff. Well, maybe. We're going to make a fire and then we're going to get a little tipsy and then <laughs> we're going to roll around in the dirt. Radiohead yes. roll around. Oh my God. Yeah. Again, yeah. Uh, if you're not serious, then I'm going to be devastated. Right. Oh, I am so serious. <laughs> well, it's recorded, so That's it has true. to happen we now. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. What inspires your writing? Breakups. Mine, Radiohead <laughs> and... Uh, normally breakups. Actually, it's super. This next record has been is going to be an interesting one for me because I've been single um, for a bit, and um, I feel, and I also feel like I've write, written a lot of breakup records. Um, so I think I'm going to try to do something different. Hmm. 
I probably won't. It, it, it'll come out. And you'll, it'll come out, and you'll go. This is this breakup music again. Um, I actually would really love to try to see if I can write a record inspired by like the stories I've heard in my group. Um, oh, that's cool. I think that thanks. I think that writing that subject matter and trying to make it into a pop song is probably hard. Um, I'm going to like I have a bit of a vision right now sonically of what I want to do and the, and the, the style that I think I want to do for the next record might actually work for for some of that subject matter so um that 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 would be inspiring for that project but I would say yeah heart heartbreak and pain <laughs> I mean isn't that that's why musicians are always single they're like I'm too happy now I have nothing left to say <laughs> and then they move to you know a cute little town with like folk art festivals and they make fresh bread and just evaporate. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what happened, happened to Stevie Nicks, right? They, she evaporated. Yeah, they go to Ojai and they <laughs> just like never come back. <laughs> oh, Lavender what, Festival. That's good. Yeah, good they go stuff. to the Lavender Festival yeah. and they like braid each other's hair. <laughs> yeah, they, they weave <laughs> shit. And, yeah. And then no one ever hears from them again. So, um, I actually like I'm a huge advocate advocate for not having to have pain to write. I, I think that it's really important as a writer to 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 get inspiration if it's if it's not from your own life then from someone else's. So um, that's how I've been inspired lately is other people's stories. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we, can we be friends? Yes. I know, right? <laughs> not who can we, we get a vaccine from? It's not professional, but you know, gosh darn it, I really like you. You're friends. <laughs> I like you too. We're definitely great. friends, I think. Okay, great. Yeah. Pat, I told you, stop being I'm media. sorry. It makes it weird every time. My face like hurts from smiling. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a good that sign. is a good sign. Uh, here are my last uh, okay. silly Twitter ones. Okay. Who are you currently listening to? Like who's in your playlist? Uh-huh. Uh, and who are, what are you currently watching? If you, you said you don't really watch a lot of television, but what are you currently watching? Yeah. Okay. So in my playlist, um, I'm listening to a lot of like Jamie XX right now and like that sort of like dancey but moody sort of world. So I would say that's, I've been like listening to Jamie XX a lot this last week, um, which could give a bit of an indicator of what I'm thinking sonically. I'm sort of like, <laughs> I want to, I want to do this like cinematic-y thing, but with like a, a more of a pulse, um, I'd find, I find like a lot of my music has like this sort of similar tempo. I'd like to up the tempo, but not necessarily turn it into dance music. It's almost like keep it cinematic and moody, but just have that like really intense pulse behind it. So that's sort of what I've been, what I've been really inspired by lately. Uh, and what am I watching? It's TikTok, like isn't it? You're stuck on TikTok. No, oh my gosh, I'm on TikTok and I'm so bad at it. I actually need to do a TikTok this week. Is that even what it's, you say? I, think I have so. to do a TikTok. You're asking the wrong person. I have to do a TikTok um, at some point um, this week, which I'm already kind of dreading, but I'm going to do it. Um, I I actually was just this is so embarrassing, but a, a couple of my friends were were watching The Bachelor, so I watched some of that, and I, I watched a bit of it, and I went, oh my gosh, like I forgot how this show is. I don't think I had watched anything like that heteronormative in so long, right. and it almost like shocked me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
that's right. That's like people think that, and it's interesting because I've been in a lot of sort of these like unrealistic situations in dating because of being a musician, dating long distance and things. Um, which actually what Dear Illusion is really about is about the way that we create these illusions of people when we don't even really know them. And I've done that a lot in, in long distance relationships and watching The Bachelor, all I could feel was like, this isn't real. <laughs> like, yeah. They're creating these like versions of each other and presenting this very specific thing and, and envisioning him as this like, it's just a competition, which makes you think that he's some prize. I forgot uh, but it is like mildly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. Completely cringy, but entertaining. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I said it, I actually admitted to watching the bachelor on here. So I, I can't really be ashamed of it because. Um, Listen, I think it's brave. I think it's brave of you to, to admit that. It's, it's almost as brave as me, as me writing ghosts. Almost. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's yeah. probably a little braver, quite honestly. <laughs> You're right. Just unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> Numbers go down. I know. No, no. No, but but, but like <laughs> outside of the cringy stuff, um, like I have I have watched like a couple really like Ozark. Like watched a couple really oh, great series, which is which are really incredible. And then um, uh, the chess one. Why can't I think of what it's called? Oh, yeah. Queen's Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Oh yeah, like that was great. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's like not awful to look at. So (laughs) true. No, No, you get you get points back. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kat. You have anything else you want to know? No, I just want to hang out. Do this all day. (laughs) So what what are you doing later? What's going on? Yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were in LA time this whole time. I was like. I thought you were. Yeah, it's late then. Oh yeah, here. I was oh, like, it's not that bad. It's like still young. It's like ten, ten, ten. <laughs> it is ten, ten. Ten, 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 ten. Yeah, no, um, yeah, back on Eastern time right now, but we'll see. We'll see for how long. But yeah, definitely, if definitely, if I come back to LA, we should absolutely go for go for some drinks. Done. I would, I would very much like that. And um, I find I I found um. LA the hardest place to make friends I've ever lived. I, I, I think it's an incredibly isolating place. Um, I really felt like, wow, I'm having a really hard time making some really solid connections here and I'm super outgoing and I, I've never really, because I moved so much, I haven't had a lot of experience of having to make new friends. So I don't think that I'm actually someone that struggles with making new friends. And I thought, wow, if I'm lonely here, then like people are really lonely. Right. Yeah. No, like really lonely. I've heard that too. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm from here, so I kind of have this built in, uh, you know, system, system, yes. but I can absolutely see how that's, how that is, how that could be the case. And, you know, there's some very super, uh, so shocker, some very superficial people in LA. So you think you're making a connection <laughs> and then it's like, cool, let you know, text me. Well, yeah, cool, cool, cool. No, never. That's it. Okay, that's it. And I will tell you when I first moved to LA. Okay, just imagine little Adeline, like just like going going to events alone. I had I had no friends there. I just like was going to events, and I said, just meet one person tonight. Aww. Just meet one person, you know. So then I'm standing there, and then like I'm at an art show or something, and I'm like, oh, I like that piece. Do you like just trying to find something to say? Yeah, and and then strike up a conversation, and then we talk for a bit, and then the person would be like you're wonderful. Like we should definitely hang out. And then I would say, 
I would love that. I have no friends. Like, I would love that. Like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, yeah, well, let's exchange numbers. We'll get together. And then nothing. Nothing. I would follow up and go, hey, like, it was so nice meeting you last night. Like, what's the deal? Can we do this weekend? Nothing. And I thought it was the weirdest thing. Mm. And then I realized what was happening was that people collect contacts there and follow on Instagram or whatever. And then the whole idea is that you just would wait. And then if something were to happen, then I would get the, hey, girl, <laughs> we met at the art gallery, remember? Like, wow, it seems like you're doing so great. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, uh, oh, my gosh, this place is so terrifying. Yeah. So it took a really long time. And because I was mostly going to, like, industry events and music and the arts, it was just, like, a lot of that sort of like upping, climbing the ladder, et cetera. So I, I, I felt like it took me a long time to make like, to make like really good friends there. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're definitely here. There's, there's, there's good people here. You just got to sift through all the, the, bolt, the, well, you thing. know who the best ones are the ones that are born and raised there. I agree. I mean, every person I've met <laughs> was born and raised in LA is awesome. People that move there are the shitty ones. Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not touching, <laughs> I'm not touching that. You didn't move to LA, Anne. No, I didn't. I'm, I'm basically calling myself that. Um, <laughs> but but not Canadians though. The the Canadians well, I've the met Canadians, here are top notch. Yes. And the Canadians we find each other there. You do. So my wife is Canadian and oh. she has a radar. It's like yes. I don't know how she does it. I don't know, especially Torontonians, like because she's from Toronto. Like she they just you guys just find each other and it's it's yeah. it's so interesting to watch. It's a vibe. There's a vibe that we put out. And then there's little like things in our language For sure. that we give out. But yeah, I do I do find I did find that I was like gravitating to a lot of Canadians there. Yeah. For sure. That's funny. That's how I've been with Midwestern people. Yeah. It's like anywhere I'd go, the people that I kind of attached myself to would find out that they've moved here from the Midwest also. Yeah, like yeah. it feels like home. It kind of yeah. makes sense. It's like, oh, you you remind me of something. And then there's like that safe haven feeling. Yeah. So your wife is from Toronto. She is. So she must be a babe. <laughs> Total babe. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. My, check, check. What's up with my crap? <laughs> nice. I, got, I, I married up for sure. I'm very lucky. That's, oh gosh. True. She's, so she's going to listen to this, so I got to say. They're yeah. newlyweds. It's gross. <laughs> oh, they're newlyweds. Talk to me and be married a while. <laughs> That's true. We got married during the pandemic. We yeah. we, wow. we snuck into Descanso Gardens and uh, my brother-in-law has a universal life, like, you know, the online, uh, mm. what's it called? What is he? A minister? Ordained. Yeah, he was ordained yeah. online. And, we, you know, we did a little thing. My sister was there. Her sister was here and it was a whole thing. It was great. I love that. That's so amazing. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I had to audition tonight with a friend and we had to pretend we were getting married. Um, so I just did that tonight. Congratulations. I just got married. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I have a, I had a, my bridal bouquet. Look, you're right kind here. of wearing a, you're wearing like a, a wedding dress. I'm wearing like, I'm wearing like a slinky nighttime <laughs> wedding dress thing. This is, we'll make it a drinking game. How many times did someone say slinky in this Absolutely. episode? Absolutely. But it's so funny. Cause I got someone, someone from my group sent me these flowers yesterday and I was like, um, Perfect. I'm getting married today, so I'll just use that as my bouquet. Oh my so god! Actually, you yeah. did more today than I did. I wow. I'm impressed. Today was busy. Some days I just lay in a ball and cry. You became a DJ. <laughs> you got married. Yeah. Today was productive, but some days are not. Yeah. Fair. Well, hey, like let's, everybody. Let's do a fancy, a nice 
we'll do a nice goodbye. We'll edit a nice goodbye. Okay. And then, <laughs> but don't go away. Well, listen, Adeline, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, honestly, this has, this has been so much fun and your story uh, is something, is one that we had to, had to dive deeper into. So thank you for being here. Um, will you come back sometime? <laughs> I would love to come back. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Anytime. This was so, so much fun. It really made my day. So well, thank, thank you. you. It's honestly been a pleasure. And how, how, let's plug some stuff. How can people find you on the socials? So I'm pretty much the same across all socials. Uh, so it's just Adeline Music. So A-D-A-L-I-N-E Music. And that's my handle pretty much everywhere. Awesome. And uh, mm -hmm. thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> okay. So now. Um, yes. I can put my notes away now. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah put your notes away. Freestyle. Because we've been so profesh this whole time. Yeah, the whole yeah. time. Yes, the whole time. time. Chill out. So <laughs> we're very different off camera. <laughs> <laughs> was that okay? That's that was perfect. perfect. Okay, Absolutely good. perfect. Well, you have been a delight. I don't even want oh, to get gosh. off the phone now. <laughs> 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 we can just do it again. <laughs> we're going to do it again. It's just that I made you pay for it next time. <laughs> yeah, <right>? exactly. <laughs> Whatever. That's cool. Oh, oh my gosh. Now it feels weird, but I'm happy that I can see you. <laughs> I'm happy I get to see you. I mean, I got a freebie this time, so. <laughs> yeah, well, at least the, at least I just know that I'll have something, you know, someone to look forward to talking to. No, nobody, and yeah, nobody's going to be offended by a nice, beautiful photo of Brad. We're fine. <laughs> Everyone can take a, can calm down. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much again. Thank, thank you for you. sharing your time. And we'll, um, we'll get your, your concert out there as soon as possible. Thank you. We shall be in touch. Yes, right. indeed. Thank you okay. so much. This has been Thank so you. much fun. That was it was a blast. Thanks. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you. Awesome. Bye. 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 Bye.